Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So let us begin. This job is great in so many ways, and I think people think the job is great because we get to tell the story, because we, we do these effects, because we get these experiences, because we go to celebration, right? But also great is just standing on the side and watching somebody. You know, again, like I said, I saw that child inside John that he experienced Star Wars. I sit there with Peyton. You see your crew just staring at Mark and you realize they're remembering what it meant to them. And you realize that you've been a part of constructing something that's giving that experience to people, this good feeling which fundamentally Star Wars should deliver a good feeling. This week, the story is about all the many Star Wars related things that have happened over the summer that we haven't been around to discuss. We've had a bit of an impromptu hiatus on the podcast, but updates kept coming. So we're going to talk about as many of those as possible on today's show. Um, in particular, we're going to, to focus on the, the most recent episode of the gallery on Disney Plus, which analyzes the making of the Mandalorian second season finale. Uh, Ross, overall, has this been a busy summer for Star Wars fans? Uh, I wouldn't say it's been a busy summer by any means. No, uh, I think most summers uh, you're going to rely on potentially a convention of sorts to bring you some news. Uh, there's going to be things that are in development likely coming out later in the year that are maybe a little bit further along. Uh, we have so much in development that is to be excited about, but there's not really releases per se. Um, there are a lot of things that are um, going on, uh, but nothing that's really being revealed. And so we're knowing that things are kind of wrapping up on a lot of different projects, which is exciting. We know that we're going to have uh, Visions and Book of Boba Fett coming out. But other than that, uh, we don't even really have release dates for a lot of things. Now, we do have a couple... Um, it's kind of stacked near each other. Uh, there's a Disney Plus day. Uh, and I think D23, I can't remember exactly, but I think it's D23 that's very, very close to Disney Plus Day. So those are two days coming this fall that are essentially going to be big announcement days. So we can assume that we'll be getting a lot of that kind of information coming in. Uh, but it, it really is setting up for a remarkable 2022. Oh, yeah. Of just an insane amount of cool content. Uh, and we do have a lot of kind of, uh, tidbits about all of that content, just nothing dramatic. Uh, so, I mean, we can kind of go through each of those bit by bit. Um, and maybe one, we can just start off talking about Mando uh, because there uh, are a lot of things. And, and recently, I guess they're the most recent addition to Disney Plus being uh, another updated episode of Gallery uh, and uh, them talking about the finale of Mando season two uh, with uh, a lot of Luke Skywalker uh, focus uh, in particular focus on the making of the face of Luke Skywalker. And so uh, that was uh, really, really incredible and, and fascinating. I've watched all the episodes of gallery, but this was, I think your first one, right, Colin? No, I watched the first couple episodes of the first season. Um, and, okay. I, and then I kind of got the gist and I appreciate that they spent a lot of time talking about the technical achievement of just pulling this show off writ large, like this mandate to make it as, visually and cinematically appealing as the features uh, and you know we've talked a lot about how they really managed to pull that off that they capture star wars um but this episode strictly is just about the luke skywalker factor which obviously looms large over not just the season two finale but the second season in general and so there's uh, a good portion of this most recent episode of the gallery that focuses on the technical achievement of it how they went about it 
how they decided that it was necessary from Jump. Like, I really uh, appreciate that they went into it with the idea that in order for the audience to ever accept that someone is going to take Grogu, Grogu away from Mando, in order for the audience to get on board with that, it's going to have to be a character they trust implicitly like almost no one else. And so mm-hmm. it's a revelation that the in the interest of like keeping a secret, the script said that the Jedi who arrived to save the day was Plo Koon. And we can talk about that more in a second. Um, but the fact is, while that would have been neat, it would not have been as gratifying as Luke Skywalker. And so um, they talk a lot about the technical achievement of it. And they talk a lot about just what it means symbolically to be working with Luke Skywalker again as fans of Star Wars. And so anytime somebody wants to talk about how much they love Star Wars and have since they were a kid, I'm there to hear that story. Because that's kind of the whole thesis of our podcast. Absolutely. And you even had uh, the real key focus of John Favreau's love for R2-D2 in there as yeah. well, which was really cool. Uh, and also, they didn't. I don't think they mentioned it, but if you notice, R2 is green. I wanted set. to ask you about that. That's like another decoy thing that like in all yeah. the scenes where they have Mark Hamill's body double, the astromat droid there who we know becomes R2 is in fact a green astromat droid. Yeah. And so it's just another additional thing that they're faking out. Uh, when they would show the dailies from the episode, they had Plo Koon's face CGI'd over top. And that's, of course, big old alien face. And so that works. But it really, like, they knew that of all the secrets that mattered, this was the most important one. And John Favreau used the direct comparison. And I don't know how I've never thought of it this way, but like a leaking boat. And he's just like, you're just trying to make it to shore before all of the leaks sink the ship and all the surprises that you had laid out, like the all everything about Ahsoka and uh, Boba Fett. But this was the one that they, of course, knew had needed to have that extra level of secrecy. Uh, and it goes to show it, it's really interesting the levels of, of where leaks can come from in uh, within Lucasfilm. Well, as well, it's disappointing, but it's it, it shows how impressive the, the feat of secrecy is. Too. And Mark Hamill's a really interesting perspective when we want to talk about keeping the big Star Wars secrets because you know he, mm-hmm. he mentions that he was you know one of a very small uh, pocket of people who for a year and a half had to keep the big Darth Vader secret back in the 80s and so he's familiar with that and he honors that and it, it's quite heartening to Mark Hamill that this huge team of hundreds of people who work on the show we're able to keep this wonderful secret alive for the sake of the fans in the interest of, you know, the love of the game. And like, that's really mm-hmm. nice. That shows a, a community among Star Wars fans, which we often talk about as being like hostile and difficult. Like when it comes down to it, the real fans are not like that. They're they're part of making the experience good for everybody. And that's something Mark Hamill mm-hmm. always champions. Um, and then there's also the factor, and I think Peyton Reed said this, that the big reveal in season one happens at the end of the first episode. The big reveal in season two happens in the last 10 minutes of the season. And so while there's all of this blogging and predicting going on for uh, eight to 10 weeks about Mando season two as it's airing, they're just like white knuckling it through the news, hoping that the big secret, the big cat doesn't get out of the bag. And and sure enough, it didn't. Is that right? Do I remember that correctly? We had no uh, suspicions it was going to be Luke. Well, I mean, we only we thought the odds were there were only a certain number of characters it could be if yeah. someone was to be showing up. We didn't know someone was going to be showing up this season by any means. We figured there was likely a connection that had been made. 
and I think if I were to place the odds on things, I think Ezra and Luke were top of my list. And Ezra is not unwarranted in the sense that he's being introduced in an Ahsoka. He's being introduced in this universe. We can talk about that in a minute. But um, Luke was just as logical. It was just a matter of definitely. I definitely didn't see them doing Luke that season. I actually didn't see them doing any Jedi that season. I didn't think that was going to be uh, a big reveal per se. Uh, but of course, it, it had me jumping up and down at five in the morning, completely shocked out of my mind. And they talk about the decision to make him essentially look like Return of the Jedi Luke, because this is where mm. the era is. And and they, they talk about, I mean, just the attention to detail in every aspect that they, Dave Filoni is the one who was really uh, behind this, I think, that they want to give him Mark Hamill's um, very raw, amateurish fighting style, but evolved mm. to be a bit better. And we certainly don't want to make him a better duelist than Ahsoka, who we've already seen this season, because technically she's his senior and she's far more trained than he is at this point in time. And so he's better than the Luke we've known before, but he's still recognizable as the Luke we knew before in terms of, of physicality. And so that's a great example of, mm. of, of a detail they picked up on. Did you know that his robes were brown and not black? Because certainly I thought no. they were black. I had no idea. Yeah. I, that was another thing that I, that they were just like an insanely dark brown and the way that the lighting hits them, it, they just have always looked black. No idea. I had no idea on that. That was a really interesting detail. Uh, but of course, they're meant to look black. So, it, yeah. but it also goes to show that under the right lighting, though, that yeah, maybe it provides a, a, a warmer black than like the the bluish black of a mall or, or uh, Sidious cloak. And all of the script that got fed into their their digitizer, all of the um, the footage of of Mark Hamill as a younger person visually and audibly, like they uploaded a whole audio book that he had narrated in the seventies or the eighties, mm -hmm. just so that they could recreate his voice from nothing um you know only to have us kind of like turn up our noses at it and be like it's not perfect like to them it's it's pretty good and and, and i mean it's true of any form of cinema or drama or comedy for that matter um the more you expose yourself to it the less real it will feel and that's yeah. this is a new version of that when i first saw luke in this first viewing of this episode I didn't have any problems with it. That's how I felt when I first saw Leia and Rogue One too. The more I watch it, the more I see the holes. But uh, they're um, they they pulled off something really great. Now they do have plans going forward. The more they want to use this technology. Yeah, and I mean when they they brought aboard uh, essentially so Shamook or is is an account on uh, YouTube that has done essentially all of the best re deep fakes of great Star Wars moments and other moments in, in cinema, uh, but in particular putting Harrison Ford's face in Solo, uh, fixing um, Tarkin and uh, in particular Leia, because Leia is the one I, I have an issue with in Rogue One, um, in, in the sense that the improvement is so dramatic. Uh, and so essentially he had mastered all of those uh, this YouTube account, and of all of the people who redid the Luke Skywalker face, this was probably also the best as well. And Disney hired him in the last, uh, well, he, they hired him a few months ago, but it came out in the last few weeks that uh, that he was hired uh, in the sense that they want to continue 
using this type of technology yeah. and continuing to work in deep fakes. And John Favreau had some fascinating theories on deep fakes uh, and technology and the way that the industry is going. And, and isn't it interesting and- that, that John Favreau is like really looking at it from an ethical standpoint? Like what are we going to do mm-hmm. going forward to like watermark our stuff so that you can verify it's real? Because like, look how like rapidly this technology is evolving that while it's amazing for the sake of making a good movie, it's also scary as all hell. And like, it's really cool that he's looking at it from uh, such a humane standpoint. True. But at the same time, also from an incredible business perspective too, in the, in the business pitch he delivered on um, providing uh, blockchain in, yeah. in encryption within videos to prove legitimacy and then showing the inspiration of technology like blockchain for the chain codes in Boba Fett's armor yeah, uh, and how the identification system across the galaxy and how using inspiration of tech, like new technology even can re-reflect back into Star Wars. And that's one of the things that I love most about what's been so impressive with, with the gallery. And they had even the mini version of the volume with the egg, which is for just lighting your face. So the egg is so cool. An incredible recreation of your face. It's that's amazing. So, this like elaborate, uh, like exoskeleton of thousands of light bulbs, which essentially just lights things that aren't really there. And mm. it's terribly cool. Yeah. It just, I mean, just the, creates the artificial different- light. The different technologies being used. And then back to another point that you mentioned just about Mark Hamill uh, and the use of, yes, all of his different voices, but the, and, and the use of his look from Return of the Jedi. The thing that blew me away and something that I just, yes, you always realize that he has a different look between A New Hope and Empire. Uh, and of course, he, he has a more stoic look in Return of the Jedi, but just in particular how Mark Hamill he looks, he has like eight different looks in A New Hope. Yeah. Uh, there are just, like, he looks so different from different shots. Uh, whether it's even just the fact that he looks like he has like almost white blonde hair in some shots to like dark brown hair in some shots within the same movie. Uh, and he looks uh, like 15 in some shots and he looks almost 30 in some shots uh, in, in these same films. And that's so strange, but it also lends a little bit extra difficulty for us to be able to place this new animation of Mark Hamill yeah. as, oh, that's that's the that, that's the Luke Skywalker we recognize. Well, what what is our first image of Luke Skywalker? The odds are, because we have so much exposure, almost no one is going to have the same first image of Luke. And it just so happens that he just has is a man of many different faces. And so it's not going to always have that same kind of recall, oddly. I don't, I don't know what that is. I totally know what you're describing, but... I mean, most of us look very different when we're in our 60s versus when we're in our early 20s. It, Mark Hamill's no exception, but and I know he had an accident too between his first and second Star Wars movie, which did have some altering on his face, right? But mm. uh, he he he's almost not recognizable. Like if we haven't been watching this guy evolve into this other guy over 45 years. It would almost be like, is that even good casting? Like it doesn't even look like like he's an older version of Luke. He looks vastly different to how he did in A New Hope. Yeah, and even just at, at different points, uh, it, it can really, really change. You can see the glimmer here a little bit more. Uh, and then, of course, it's when you can really capture the fact that you still had Mark Hamill delivering this character and it still works yeah. in that same way. And the same way that you have him deliver that line um, 
in the last Jedi, the R2 uh, or Master Yoda. It's just like the way that you can pull, like, there's like, oh my God, there's the voice. Like it's, yeah. it, it's, 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 it's impossible to say that they're a different person. And so he, he's a fascinating actor and, uh, and observation piece. And that's really what I guess the gallery episode is about is just about how we all have our eyes on this character and, uh, our eyes can your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. He he uh, is we've we've used this phrase before, maybe it's your phrase, but he is truly the greatest ambassador for the Star Wars franchise. Mm-hmm. He he has such a good attitude about Star Wars. It's it's like almost no other and it's I'm very grateful that it exists. Um I'm not sure what else we can say about about him, but just like spiritually they're very excited to have him on set and it, it means a lot. And of course he has to share the character in this episode a little bit. Although I found it interesting that this gallery episode made no effort to interview this other body double who is there playing Luke Skywalker too. He's there. You can yeah. see his face a bunch, but we don't, they don't talk to him. They don't ask him what's it like to be doing this alongside Mark Hamill to, to be the physicality of this most iconic Jedi Knight. Do we know anything about him? Uh, his name's Max Lloyd Jones. Uh, I was pretty confident in that because I knew he had uh, a Lloyd in there, yeah. uh, just like Jake Lloyd and a, and a Jones <laughs> and a Jones, exactly. Yeah. Um, so it, uh, it it was a little disappointing to not see anything there, but it was cool to see the fact that he and Mark uh, conversed a lot, uh, and that uh, Mark Hamill was really trying to to help him create the character and was very complimentary. Um, and, uh, and and sang praises uh, of his acting capabilities uh, on his own. So that was nice to see as well. Another thing where I think they totally buried the lead, and this never occurred to me, but uh, Peyton Reed, who directed this episode, his experience with the concept of recreating figures in film is so interesting. And it doesn't just stop at recreating Michael Douglas as Hank Pym in that Ant-Man movie, which was, that's true too. I didn't even put that together, but that he also, he explains in this documentary, he worked on a documentary about the making of Forrest Gump, which is kind of the earliest version of this where they bring in presidents and John Lennon and like, and now Mm -hmm. if you watch it, you can see how it's not real. But when that movie was made in the 90s, people were like, how did they put Forrest on the Merv Griffin show. Like it's it's cool that he has always kind of been involved in these projects that have been evolving that technology and that version of storytelling. Yeah, and it just goes to like further emphasize their decision to cho- like their, to choose him and, and that it was the right call and that they they I guess tested the waters maybe by or I'm not really sure ex- exactly because they they really talked about the uh like they were filming parts of this while um, um, Robert Rodriguez's episode uh, with Boba Fett was being filmed because that was done on location so that they could have kind of the volume and that time, which right. is kind of a funny way of thinking about it. Um, but it also, it, it goes to show like exactly who was, was in on this and at what point was this shot in relation to maybe the, the rest of the season. And so that that's also another interesting take, like how, uh, how deep involved is Peyton Reed maybe in in future Mando or other Mando-verse projects because of uh, his involvement in this key, key, key project. It wouldn't shock me at all if that's earned him a, another uh, key role in, in this verse. 
Is it possible that the episode with Robert Rodriguez actually doesn't feature uh, Pedro Pascal and that they used his body double in that episode mm-hmm. and that they were able to like film two episodes simultaneously because Din is the only character who appears in both? Uh, well, no, uh, Fennec appears in both. Okay. Um, but, uh, and uh, at the end, Gideon too, but those would never, those, yeah. that's not on location. Right. Um, that's certainly very possible. For some of it, yeah. anyway, at least a few days. Yeah, certainly for for some for some of it, yeah, yeah, that's very possible. We do know that there's a, a ton of that. There are certain episodes, uh, like you, you can tell that uh, Latif Crowder does a lot of the penultimate episode. That's the one with Bill Burr, just because there's so much hand to hand combat, and that's what Latif Crowder does. And so you can, and then you know that there's also a, a good chunk of the the street walking in season one is just Brendan Wayne. And so yes. it's, yeah. Did you know that uh, this episode? Uh, was the first time they've used any John Williams in The Mandalorian. I didn't realize that they'd never used any of his motifs. I did. I did. I did know that, but I didn't like think of that as a fact per se. Uh, like I, I knew it had been fully done by Ludwig, and I did know that they used the Force theme. But that's a really impressive. Like I didn't put it together that they had been saving it. I guess for this specific point to be the first time that they've that they've sampled it in that way and that shows real restraint well like <laughs> that is really really impressive i think it was, it was they used it the right way rogue one was it michael giacchino did the the score for rogue one uh yes and so like he's a, an amazing film composer in his own right but like and it's very sensible that he would use the pre-existing work of of John Williams to create a new pseudo score. Um, but John Williams is very implicit in the score of that movie as well. Whereas Mandalorian, all new characters for the most part vibe. is a, is an all new vibe. And certainly what Ludwig created sonically for the Mandalorian is very different. And it's somehow still captures star Wars and it's just as creative as ever, but it's mm-hmm. all new. And that's very important, but that they decide, no, once we, see that hood come down and we see our original hero we have to hear familiar music again like that's that's really good filmmaking yeah it's it's and that's an interesting way of putting it as well there it's it's still filmmaking and that's the way that they they treat this and they even reference that within this that it's that they want us that they're still treating this with the same seriousness as they would a film how much does disney love that when john favreau talks about the great responsibility that comes with the great power of working with immense technology. He uses uh, Fantasia's Sorcerer's Apprentice as a metaphor. He's like, it's very much like when Mickey has all of these new powers and things get out of hand very quickly. And like, they're just like laughing. They got the perfect ambassador for the brand. (laughs) Yes, John Favreau is a gift for Disney. Yeah. He is everything they want. Starts off by talking about just how awesome Kathleen Kennedy is to give them the sandbox for all the, like, the he is such a damn pro. He he's is a, he's a company man. Ultimate. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Is he ever a company man? But it's because he knows that he can run the whole damn thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying he'll necessarily be president, but he can run whatever he wants. Yeah. And he's pretty, he's pretty much at that because this is what he wants to do, and he's running it. He's a very valuable asset. I love him. I love him. I don't think yeah. I have anything more to say about about the gallery. Do you want to talk about some other stuff that has been going on? Like, well, the Mandalorian. Like, what are what's the outlook right now for season three? So there's been some rumors that it might be the last season, which I don't Weird. like the concept of that. Um, I mean, I'm not against it, uh, but I just 
it, it worries me. And also I did take in a bit of a vibe just in general from the way the, that they use like the ET examples in the gallery episode, just how long are these two going to be apart? Yeah. Are they going to be apart for the rest of like, I almost get the feeling, are they maybe making this uh, crossover event, whatever it is outside of the Mandalorian TV show. And, and maybe the Mandalorian TV show does end in one season. And then this story with Grogu and Luke Skywalker picks up, in a few years time in some crossover like i don't know and i mean that would i think disappoint me a bit but at the same time it's been incredible thus far and if they give us another incredible season that provided closure i'm not going to complain by any means no and and really like i'm not worried about them not using din or grogu anymore like that's that's not a great concern but the the thing that would make that silly is um the show was always about the relationship between Din and Grogu. Like, that's how it starts. That's how it ought to end. And I, I can understand if the series mm -hmm. The Mandalorian ends with them reuniting, especially since the last thing Din said to Grogu was, we'll meet again, I promise. Like, they're not mm. going to leave that an open thread in the series The Mandalorian, I don't think. But maybe then okay. that particular story is over and we can evolve those characters into another through line. We can put them in the Ahsoka show or, or, or whatever. And you also know that the book of Boba Fett, it can kind of be viewed as a uh, side season for the Mandalorian. So it's very likely uh, Din is going to appear in that show, perhaps quite prominently. And so very it, good point. it's all kind of arbitrary. What the, the what's written on the slate of the production, these characters aren't going away anytime soon. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. I guess it's uh, a matter of how, how focal they will be and uh, how much of their story we'll know. But I guess at the, at the same time, it it just feels that because Grogu has such a long life, his time with Din should not be short. True, uh, and and that feels it, it could provide a little bit of worry, but not going to be too worried. You did mention the Ahsoka show. That's another uh, area that has had a lot of rumors in the last little while. Uh, almost but everything but confirmation that uh, even Rosario Dawson liking um, a, a tweet uh, and uh, even I think even quote tweeting uh, someone talking about Mina Masood and Lars wow. Mikkelsen being cast. Uh, so that's like as close to being uh, it's it's as I'd say it's almost as locked as say Tamora Morrison was before season two of Mando. Awesome. Um, maybe not quite as locked as Rosario before season two of Mando. Cause that one was so slam dunk. Yeah, we knew it. Yeah. We knew it. <laughs> but um, yeah. So Mina Masood as Ezra, which I think is excellent casting. I've watched, uh, I haven't seen Aladdin, but I have watched uh, a handful of clips from the film to get a vibe uh, and I've seen the guy interviewed enough times and I have more than enough confidence. He, he just, he has, he screams Ezra because yeah, he screams Aladdin and Aladdin and Ezra are, they're, they're meant to be extremely similar. Good. Uh, it's, it's space Aladdin. Uh, and so they've also uh, been doing casting for Sabine for that show uh, to be a lead role. Uh, Tati Gabriel uh, is the rumored um, front runner uh there was they had narrowed it down to i think three or four in the rumor mill but that's the the current one that is believed to maybe be getting the role uh she, i think she was in um that new sabrina show, teenage wish show maybe something else um nothing i've ever seen but uh visually um definitely 
makes sense for a live action Sabine. Okay. Uh, so Mandalorian badass um, and a friend of Ezra. So they'll be on the hunt for Ezra and Thrawn. And that will likely be some element that we don't know whether that's going to take place before this Mando timeline or after, but uh, that show seems to be in casting. So who knows when that will begin filming. Uh, but that's uh, a, a lot of, of news and likely coming down the pike soon. I mean, I, I haven't even read any Thrawn stuff. I don't really even know the character, but I'm just excited about him because like people like you've, you've spoken very highly of the character and I'm just excited for him to be brought into the mainstream. I think that's going to be a big deal, a big splash. Yeah. I mean, he's such a cool character with so much history in the, in Star Wars legend. He's more history in legends than he does in Canon, but the Canon history is absolutely widening at a, accelerating pace with the number of books about Thrawn uh, and the way that you can see inside his mind in those books. It makes him such a fascinating character. He's, he's very much the most science fiction-y character as well in Star Wars. Uh, and in his, and also he's the most militaristic in, in the way that he, he views things in, in, in that regard. Uh, but we can watch maybe, so I can, I, um, we can maybe re- go over a couple Rebels episodes and, That'd be and, good. that have Thrawn in it and, and uh, can kind of highlight him in that way that you might enjoy that. And then can kind of um, even just even the, the last couple episodes uh, to, to kind of set up for Ahsoka because uh, that will certainly lead into it. Is there anything new to know about Obi-Wan Kenobi? Uh, that it finished filming. Okay. Uh, or wrapped its production uh, and that appears to be doing some additional shooting. So either it didn't wrap its production uh, or most people have wrapped production uh, because it had been kind of coming out, trickling out like this person's done, this person's done, this person's done, this person's done. And then it said, everybody's done. Uh, and now it's also kind of coming out through the rumor mill that it's not quite done. So maybe it's planned reshoots. It, it, it sounds like it's it's nearing uh, being done. It, it, it's shooting. It's not that long. It's it's being shot like a, like an indie movie is the way it's being described. Uh, and uh that's really encouraging. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's also uh, Indira Varma spoke extremely highly of the set that uh, Deborah Chow and Ewan McGregor created. Um, and she was the one who kind of mentioned that, that uh, indie vibe, which is kind of cool. And so that's wildly exciting. Can't wait to find a release date on that. Oh yeah. Uh, also uh, an image floated around. Uh, it looks like kind of like concept art, I guess you would say, uh, or, uh, I, yeah, it's concept art. But I don't know exactly what it's done on, um, and it's of back to tank Vader. Um, so we will likely be getting that in some capacity again. And so that's interesting. I mean, and not surprising. Uh, I don't know what this says about me as a fan, but just everything else. As much as I love even the Mandalorian, like everything else right now is deep in the shadow of my excitement for Obi Wan Kenobi. Like it's it's. Yeah. And I, I know it's not even first up. <laughs> like I'm going to be excited about everything as it comes, but like, yeah, Obi-Wan has a lot of hype to live up to. I'm sorry to say, I really hope it gets there because like, I, yeah. I am so excited about, about the Obi-Wan show. Like I maybe haven't been since like the last Jedi. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, or when or came, maybe when the it, force like, awakens. Like the, the excitement that like knowing so much more, like everything, new piece of star Wars that comes out, especially in these last few years uh, has been filling in the gaps of that Skywalker saga in, in different ways. Uh, but this is going to fill it in, in a way that's 
very personal to time periods that we've known for so much longer. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's just going to, it's going to connect them in a way that there are minimal stories left that have this capability. Uh, Luke Skywalker showing up uh, in that time period is interestingly one of those few little stories uh, that we have left, but uh, that 19 year period uh, of the tension between Obi-Wan and Vader is, is rich. insane. Yeah. So it, the, the richness that we have there, I completely agree. It is by a country mile, my most excited project. And I'm so excited for, Ahsoka and Mando three and well I'm I'm excited for everything. Oh, there's nothing I'm not ex exactly and so um, the acolyte and that, that's one that we know nothing about that I'm so damn excited. Um, but uh, an another one that I'm also excited for would be Andor and that also uh, has apparently finished uh, filming as well. Man, and so that I, uh, I never fail to forget about Andor even existing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, apparently going back to Coruscant, it'll be taking us back to Coruscant, which is awesome to see. Yep. Um, but uh, an another show, a couple of castings came out, um, some British people, uh, not to be disrespectful, but I don't exactly remember who they were. Uh, there was a, a young guy. Um, oh, uh, and it, End of the fucking world or something. Maybe the show star okay. of that might be in Andor. Yeah, um, that's if, cool. If I'm, the young I'm remembering that. that right. Yeah, I loved that show. Um, actually, the girl in that show, she'd be great in Star Wars too. She's kind of the, like the low-key star of End of the Effing World. She's like the one with all the attitude. And then the guy in it is kind of like a quiet weirdo. But I'm open to either one of them. That's cool. Yeah, no, I, I think that's 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 who I'm thinking of. Uh, I don't even know if he's British, but th that's a heavily British cast show, it seems. Uh, Naomi uh, Yaki was in the second season of that show too. Oh, that's funny, and, yeah. and that wouldn't so that would that would that would very much align with the way that they cast everything right. in Star Wars. Uh, number of Game of Thrones people in the sequels is insanity. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that that one's very encouraging uh, to to hear that that's that's finishing up and uh, every. Thing also kind of points to that one probably getting a couple seasons. Cool. Sounds like does it? It doesn't seem like it's a one and done, and so that's surprising but exciting too. And so that's kind of cool. It's so interesting that Disney Plus launched on The Mandalorian. That was obviously like their flagship show. They launched their whole package on, and there's going to be new original Star Wars content on it, like week one or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. um, and then. That remains, I guess it's not the only original Star Wars content on Disney Plus, not at all, but like it's it, of that scale, it's one of a kind on Disney Plus three years later. And in just eight months, they've created how many new Marvel shows that are on that grand of a scale? And so it almost feels like mm -hmm. crowded with, with Marvel stuff. And next year, it's going to feel equally crowded with Star Wars stuff, but I think in a, in a wonderful way because it's so cross-referential. Yeah, and it's also going to be, I think, at very different time periods. Although yes. the Marvel has treated it with very different styles and shows as well, but not different time um, periods. No, not different time. Not periods. not That's largely, not in such a grand scale way. Anyway, they all kind of like everything is kind of like before or after Endgame. But that's its benchmark. Whereas we're using this like multi generational epic of uh, of uh, filling in blanks with Star Wars. Yeah, and then there's also uh, Bad Batch. And season two of that. I kind of heard that, that the general consensus of Bad Batch was lukewarm, that it was fine, but that it kind of has a fizzly end. 
I don't know. I think it's in part uh, that the second last episode is better than the last episode. It should have been one big finale. Uh, and so that there, it, it takes a little bit of the gusto out of it. Um, it's No, it, I think it, it's really good. It's not as epic as the last season of The Clone Wars. Okay. Uh, but when you compare it to the first season of any other animated show, it's awesome. Yes. Uh, and when you compare it to even the first season of, like, Compare the first season finale of Mando and the second season finale of Mando. Uh, first season finale is awesome. Great episodes. But then when you look at the scale, I wonder if like how happy Star Wars fans are going to be if we got another Mando season one right now. I know I would be. Mm. But it's it's interesting the way that the broader Star Wars fans, like what actually satisfies them. One week of an episode of character building. It's like, oh, what's with all the filler? Yeah. I don't need to see this. When is like this? When is Omega going to become a Jedi or something like that? Like, oh, then they just <laughs> want everything to become outlandish. Yeah. But overall, no, I, I really enjoyed it. And there's a few episodes I want you to watch in there. And they definitely provide uh, some, they, they will provide likely some, very useful context for Book of Boba Fett. Okay. There are a couple key things that, uh, one, uh, in heavy in the rumor mill coming up about an awesome character um, that is uh, one of the other best bounty hunters in galactic history, um, uh, Cad Bane. Uh, he's, he's a Duros from uh, Clone Wars, and he's also uh, in the, the Bad Batch, and so he's a character that would be good to have an introduction on before uh, Book of Boba Fett, he's in that. Okay. Uh, and then there's also some other uh, interesting things just about clones in general, because that is, you learn so much about clones in The Bad Batch that would be useful to know about Boba Fett because he is a clone. True. Uh, and so there are some things that I think will really, enri- really enrich that show. And Robert Rodriguez uh, recently talked about how uh, he's very confident the show over delivers. Oh, uh, I love the confidence. So, that's awesome. That's nice to see. Yeah, absolutely. How about this um, this anime show that put out a trailer a couple of weeks ago? Uh, yeah. So Star Wars Visions. This is something Visions. that... Uh, I've had such a, an interesting, uh, I guess, a, a take on it because I'm not like I'm not an anime person, but I love Star Wars, and so I'll certainly watch it. Uh, I was disappointed to hear that it wasn't canon because I, I, I would want it to count. Uh, mm-hmm. And then when they talked about kind of their approach with it, it almost seemed like oh, they're just giving like carte blanche to these studios to do whatever they want. And then that also looks okay. Well, then are we going to get star Wars or are we just going to get some random interpretations that are, that's fine, but aren't star Wars and thus may not have had any interest to me, but then they had the full legit trailer as opposed to this teaser. Yeah. And the trailer looked awesome. Yeah. It the, just the art style is very cool. So cool. Yeah. Uh, like the, some of the stories just from like what I gather probably won't be for me, but some of the stories look like they could be really, really interesting. Uh, and while they may be disappointing that they won't be canon if they're a really cool story. They could be good uses of inspiration for uh, other stories if you treat them like legends in that same kind of way. And so this is really something I'm going to, I'm, I'm more excited than ever to see. Uh, and I, I hope uh, falls within all Star Wars logic so that I enjoy it um, uh, and that it doesn't feel like it's not Star Wars. Right. Uh, and 
But under those circumstances, it does seem like it's going to do that. And some of the stories seem really cool. The cast seems incredible. Uh, and like you said, the animation is beautiful. Well, and I'm not like a great anime fan either, but for the same reason, I'll, ch I'll check it out. Very likely, just by virtue of what it is, formatically, it's only ever going to have like a cult fan base. It's not going to be mm -hmm. mainstream Star Wars anyway. But one area where I could definitely imagine them blending the canon with the non-canon or starting to turn the non-canon canon is in the graphic novels. So you have this this anime TV series with characters who over a season or two you come to really enjoy, and then you put out uh, a comic book line that shows some of them interacting with other characters you're already familiar with. And that could be a really good way to cross-pollinate these two different Star Wars worlds. Absolutely. And they are actually releasing uh, a novel as well that follows the Visions kind of line. And so that's really cool. Uh, it's called Ronin, I believe. Cool. Uh, and it's like it's a, it's a Ronin story. Uh, and so, interest, like, which interestingly, uh, I've heard Dave Filoni refer to Ahsoka as a Ronin before. So, what is a Ronin? Is, I'm not sure if I know uh, that term. Uh, a Ronin is a, 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 essentially a wandering samurai. Cool. who has no master and wow. ahsoka who was her master after well she quit the jedi order so she didn't have one but her master was anakin who fell so uh, a wandering jedi with no master uh, it's ahsoka she's a ronin basically. well star wars in general does loners really well like that's certainly yeah. what the mandalorian is that's what han solo is even though he does have a best friend like there's a lot mm -hmm. of like lone rangers in star wars that's very fitting yeah, absolutely. And so I, that that could be a cool story. And so I think doing something like that would be cool. And maybe that story is canon. Or maybe, like you said, you find a way that like you can have you can have legend stories with canon characters. And so there's no like, who's to say you can't still tell these stories and then parse together a canonical interpretation yeah. of whatever you're seeing in legends to allow that character to still exist uh, or allow for whatever message or purpose of that story to still exist in Star Wars and, and and be able to be built from, which is all that matters. As as you always say, that's the beauty of legends. It can be real until it's proven otherwise because yeah, it's a legend exactly. you believe in. Yeah. Okay, what else should we cover? It's been such a long time. Probably some of the stuff in hindsight feels ancillary. Yeah, exactly. There will certainly be things that we uh, will miss in terms of talking about um tandy newton uh did mention uh disappointment over the definitiveness of uh val's death in solo uh and wow. that in uh a, an original version of the script uh it was not clear that she died as much okay uh and she and in particular she just said uh the reason why she thought it was really stupid is uh i'm the i'm the first black woman with a leading role in star wars and you and you definitively are going to kill me off like that okay yeah. after um, after she didn't really that, get didn't get the chance to do much either and like certainly if they decided to go back on that and give val more storyline i'd be open to it yeah it actually kind of could work especially if you have uh like to buy like beckett 100 dies and so it actually really works if they were planning a trilogy to not kill val you right. make her like a surprise returning character somehow survives. Now, um, I don't, like, I, I understand her logic in that regard. Uh, and that time period doesn't necessarily mean that she can't return. 
um, because you can still like, that's still a rich time period and you can just do something within a, like, Oh, within the previous five years. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's a good, it's kind of a good point, uh, that you didn't need to necessarily make it definitive if in the first draft of the script, it wasn't, uh, no. but by, I guess they did change so much of that script, um, that I, who knows why, what the reason was. It also just kind of sounds like she's disappointed. She doesn't get to be in more star Wars, which is valid. And, uh, it'd be nice mm-hmm. to, you know, to incorporate as many Star Wars fans as possible. The unfortunate thing is that she had a, a fairly abbreviated time in a movie, in a series that was also abbreviated, <laughs> in mm. a movie that was largely thought of as, you know, a failure. So it's just kind of like yeah. a series of unfortunate events leading to her probably not returning. But if they wanted to find a way to, to use Tandy Newton again, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and maybe in the Lando show. Yes. Not outside the the realm and phenomenal actress. So it certainly would help in that regard. That's right. Um, similar to that, uh, Kira Gitney is getting her own comic line. Uh, and so uh, it's going to be called Crimson Rain. Cool. And so that uh, is definitely going to be interesting to get more info about her. Uh, and to be completely honest, um, you and I are, are, are not alone. It seems that more and more the rest of the, the Star Wars fan community uh, is agreeing that the best thing from that movie is Kira. <laughs> and is. I think that that yeah. is a great takeaway from it all, is that that's just a cool, interesting character. The other thing is, I just really want good things for Amelia Clark. Like yeah, she, she, she seems wonderful. She just seems awesome. And it's not like she's been struggling you know, in her career. She's been in some enormous franchises. But I just don't want her to get relegated to making Christmas movies based on Wham songs. Like, I, I think that she has <laughs> such a great spirit and she's so charismatic and the character was good. So let's do something with it. Yeah, no, I, I think that with more stories coming out, uh, she's in, I believe, the Marvel family now and some hmm. uh, new, I think it might be, might be a TV show, not a movie. Could be wrong. I, I have, I don't know. There's yeah. so many Marvel things and I'm not a, I'm not a, Mar- well marvel kept up but, no that rings a bell um that increases the odds just in in terms of more working uh in the in the disney family as she as she has and i think they're just trying to to build a buffer uh from solo so that um more positivity is brought around and there was lots of positivity there's lots of like, the make solo two uh campaign is is, is a big one uh, online and, and i think i i think that campaign succeeds if uh, a Crimson Dawn TV show of sorts comes to life. Right. And uh, I, that would be my preference on on how it would succeed. And a Lando show. Yeah, absolutely. The Lando. And I think the Lando show, uh, the best way, uh, of course, is to do uh, both Landos. Um, but I've, we, we haven't even been confirmed that we're getting either Lando. So we have no idea who who or what or any of the game plan for that show. Right, but there was a time where you seemed pretty sure that was going to happen. Well, it's been announced. Yeah. And it just seems too damn obvious to not just get them both. It yeah. just, it, 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 it makes perfect sense. Well, except Billy D. Williams is in his 80s. Yeah, you don't get him, you don't need him for much. Right. You get him to do like a little, you're going to do either just narration and like a couple scenes or cool. get him to do some scenes. Uh, but I mean, you have the the Calrissian Chronicles introduced yeah. in Solo. You're right. So there's there's just so much. He just talks such a big game. Honestly, call the be, show the Calrissian Chronicles. That is better than Lando, in my opinion. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 and the solo, as much as it was a bad title, it was the right title. Right. Um, whereas Lando, I don't think necessarily that needs to be. No. And you can like, you can have fun with the Lando show. You can make it like, like pushing more comedic than a lot of Star Wars uh, TV shows have been lately mm-hmm. and like still make it a rollicking adventure, still make it badass, but like it mm-hmm. can be kind of silly and like, especially with Donald Glover, who is so multifaceted. I think, I think that's oh. a fun opportunity realm of opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it allows for like, I didn't want the mystery of, of Han to be uh, revealed in, in all areas. And yes, Han is still, like you expect a lot of it to be bullshit, uh, but you don't necessarily want to know that. Mm. Whereas Lando, it'll be, a, it was, a, I was very much okay with finding out that Lando has been a cheater all these years. And yeah. like, li- like literally he was ch- cheating. I was yeah. totally, I thought that I was like, yeah, that works for Lando. That's, that's appropriate. Uh, and it just, it, it feels like opening him, his story up in that way could be a, a, a little bit more uh, appropriate and recept- received well by the fan base. Totally. Okay, what else? Like Anything like else? his Lando was. Must be getting to uh, the end of it here. Yeah, just kind of going through uh, at the moment now. I'm just going through uh, Reddit to see if there's anything I missed. Um, just in terms of the last little bit. Uh, Carl Weathers just confirming to coming back uh, in bo- as both an actor and director for Mando season three. That's cool. Uh, and so he's just, it, it seems like he adores working on uh, Mando. And so it wouldn't surprise me if he had other uh, acting, uh, sorry, other, um, probably other directing opportunities yeah. in Star Wars down the line on different, cool. on different shows. Um, much like uh, Bryce Dallas Howard is someone I'd like to see in that capacity. Yeah. But no, I don't think there's anything too specific. I've kind of just kind of gone through the shows and uh, all the updates in the last little while. Um, I mean, they were trickling out all those different uh, actors who kept rapping on Obi-Wan and then just seems like well, pretty much most people are wrapped on that. Right. Um, a further. Um, oh, there's the Taika uh, talked a little bit about Star Wars and it does appear that he is um, like that is what he's working on at the moment. Uh, you know how we talked about a little bit before, like um he wasn't sure if that was what he was going to be able to be working on next. Uh, he had a few projects in the hopper where there was going to be an indie project he was going to work on before Star Wars. But it does look like he's working on Star Wars now, uh, and that he's uh, been. I think he, I think he's writing it at the moment, and uh, and so that's that's encouraging. That does pretty. It seems to make it almost a slam dunk that he's going to be the twenty twenty five one, uh, and that it'll probably be they'll be able to really take their time with that, which is really nice. <laughs> that man is so busy. It's ridiculous. I I like and, and it's insane. Aside from these like huge tentpole franchises that he is like a very imperative cog within, he's also now co-created and produced this Reservation Dogs, which is like really mm-hmm. good and people really like it. He was the villain in Free Guy, and apparently he was atrocious in it. But like he's everywhere. He's all over the place in like multiple different disciplines. Yeah. No, he is. Uh the star he was one of the he is one of the stars of hollywood at the moment he is one of the most bankable 
uh, and highly sought after people uh, in the bloody industry right now. Yeah, people he's one of he's one of Becky's celebrity crushes these days for sure. He has a, a un- unique kind of charisma that that speaks. You to hear my that a lot on podcasts. Yeah, and so that, that that apparently must be a thing that the ladies late. Uh, well, it is definitely a thing that the ladies love Taika. Right. Um, we've seen that in the media that the ladies love Taika. Is that a thing? Is that like a, a meme or something? Uh, there's there's pictures of of Taika with women. Oh sure. In both arms. Oh, oh yes, I've seen that too. Yes, yes, yeah. He's a huggy gentleman. Yes, indeed. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, one other thing that I I just was going through like the the depths of some rumors here. Um, just pull up Star Wars Newsnet see if they have anything uh, that I did forget about. And that would be that a while back there was a there's a a little rumor that there might be. Um, John Boyega may be in, in talks for reprising Finn in some capacity, but um, that would be great if that was the case. Yeah. Um, and so uh, that's just, just I don't even know what the source of that was, was, but I know it popped up on Reddit and I saw it on uh, online somewhere along the way. So, What if in the season two finale of The Mandalorian it had been Plo Koon? Or who else could it have been that would have been perhaps not as exciting as Luke, but like really effing cool? If if that was the Jedi they brought in, let's talk about a few people: Plo Koon, Kaidi Mundi. I mean, it can't. Kaidi Mundi would would never have worked because no. we saw him directly die. Saw he was not get shot. Plo Koon dies in an explosion during Order sixty six, yep. and so you can kind of get away with that. Plus, Kaidi Mundi is specifically used as, although he's he's good in the Clone Wars. His dialogue in the Phantom Menace is essentially like, "Let me say the dumbest thing I can at every opportunity." Yep. And so he would have been kind of the antithesis of who to survive. And some people would probably also have said Mace Windu. I also agree under similar circumstances, well, Mace Windu's right a lot of the time. He never has the right attitude. So he also wouldn't have worked. Plo Koon actually does kind of work because he was the uh, Jedi who found Ahsoka. And they had a really sweet relationship with one another. Dave Filoni mentioned how he was his favorite Jedi. Uh, and, Plo Koon, and as a result of that, Plo Koon was really fleshed out to be an excellent Jedi in the Clone Wars. Uh, and he, he, from a character perspective, would have made sense. Um, you know who it Ezra makes sense from a story one, but not everyone would have known that. This would have, is. This would have excited perhaps me and me alone. Lore Senteca. That would have been extremely cool. Yeah, it would have been really cool. Yeah, that would have made a lot of sense, logically. Uh, because we then know that he was probably going to Luke. Mm-hmm. And then under those circumstances, then it's like, well, then just give us Luke. Because we don't know who young, uh, not Max von Sydow is. No, but if they um, do any more uh, Luke Skywalker, which is, is not out of the realm, realm of possibility, it would be nice to incorporate that character. 100%. 100%. I think that is something that we definitely need more of. And the uh, Santeca uh, family clan, like that goes back to the higher public era and they're expanded upon there. But in particular, Laura Santeca, I want to know, I want to know more about his relationship like with both Ben and Luke, mm-hmm. um, because that would make that slaughter and that opening scene even more, uh, really just dark. Is, is Ben Solo alive in, in the time of the Mandalorian? He is right. He's five. He's five. Okay. Yeah. They couldn't have like brought him in as a Padawan or anything. He, he'd he be a youngling at that point, but he's not going on flights to to collect Grogu's. No, canonically, he's with Luke at the age of, I think, 10 or like not, nine to 12. Somewhere in that range is when he goes to Luke. I think he's, I think he's like 10 though. Um, 
but I'm not sure who else could have made sense. Um, because like Cal Kestis is another one that logically people had talked about before Jedi Fallen Order um, because you could get the right actor. But I think that's a big problem is you, it's so difficult to make sure that this character is going to be recognizable. Blo Koon, while not everybody would recognize him, people would be able to pick out, oh, I, rec- I remember him from the prequels. And that's definitely the same. Like, like it, you can make him look identical to how he's looked in other means because he's uh, he's a Keldor as opposed to. A, a human that you need to directly recast or recreate. What if it had been Leia, who we knew at this point was training under Luke and we had not seen her in combat before? What if we saw a, a female Jedi get off the, you know, whatever ship pulls in and kicks ass and then it turns out to be Leia? It wouldn't have made sense. No. Because we knew like that, because Luke had started to train her and that by the time she would have been ready to do a mission on her own before she had gotten to that point, she had quit. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think that would have worked. Um, But I wonder who else would have made sense to survive. Like I, I'm trying to think if Yaddle. Oh, that would have been stupid. (laughs) Uh, Well, stupid. Yeah. (laughs) It would have been so disappointing. Like, yes, it's another, (laughs) it's another Yoda character or Yoda species, but like, I'm not looking for more Yaddle. (laughs) Here's an interesting tidbit that I forgot to mention because I am behind on High Republic and I think this is in the comics and I'll, I'll never be up to date on those, but um, actually it, it may not be. No, it might be in a novel, which I'm not up to date on. Uh, Yaddle speaks normally. Whoa, interesting. Yeah. So that's a little bit of a twist. Why does Yoda in particular speak that way? That further lends the fact that there's no way Grogu will speak, will speak like Yoda. No. No, because well, if he's, it also kind of suggests that the that Yoda's speech speech pattern has nothing to do with his species. Like he could be from or somewhere Yaddle else. A, Go ahead. True, or Yaddle was taken as a very at a very young age, and Yoda grew up with his species until yeah. he was older, and then brought to the Jedi Order. I think so that's more likely. That. That's more likely to be the case. But what if it was different? Like what what if yeah. we found out that Yoda actually grew up uh, apart from his species too? And that there are all these like humanoid characters who talk like he does. That would be so bizarre. Oh, that would be bizarre. No, yeah. I don't think it'll be that. But I do think that it's Yoda who's maybe different. Hmm. Um, I saw someone maybe theorize, I think on Reddit, that uh, it's just because Yoda's so old that he just talks the way that like old timey English people would talk in modern day. It's like, it's, it's as if somebody today would use like, Top of the morning and cheerio. It's all those things. It's just a matter of that. It's just he's so old that it's still in his vocab. <laughs> I don't think. but I don't think. But maybe. <laughs> okay. Is that all we have to say? I can say a couple of birthdays. Yeah. A couple of birthdays would be good. And that way, uh, next time we do a podcast, if there's any kind of key topics uh, in the news that are more of focus, we can hone in on those and we'll do a bit more of a of a, of a focused uh, thesis of our podcast. Considering how long we've been gone, stunningly few birthdays to wish, but all wow. all very significant ones. So um, in the time we've been away, a happy birthday to Ahmed Best, uh, to Ray Park, to Kenny Baker, to Ian McDiarmid. So like all huge friggin' impactful people in Star Wars. And also Timothy Zahn is having a birthday on September 1st. So happy birthday to those Star Wars family members. Um, We are sorry we've been away for a little while, but we're going to try and come back with a little more regularity, a little more 
Focus, as you say, now that the fall is setting in. If you have any ideas for themes for Star Wars episodes of our podcast, we'd love to hear them, uh, or any uh, comments on what we've talked about tonight, you can always email recorder66podcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at recorder66. Uh, please rate and review on your preferred podcast app. If you're joining us on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe. And until we are together again, may the Force be with you.